Welcome to the show. We hope you have a blast. Thanks for making time for the Dealer Talk Podcast. Another business leader, here's a penny for your thoughts. This ain't a regular conversation, baby. This that Dealer Talk. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Dealer Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Charity. Herb is not with us today because we are going to do a special episode, um, Women in Automotive, and I kicked him out. So we are going to quickly introduce each one of our guests. Um, we have another charity on here too, so that'll be fun. We'll have to come up with a way to <laughs> announce each other. But why don't you, um, Charity, why don't you start? Sure. Um, my name is Charity Dunning. I am the Chief Marketing Officer at Fixed Ops Marketing. And Kaylee? Um, so I'm Kaylee Filio. Um, people know me as the parts girl. I'm the sales and marketing manager at Parts Edge. And it's Elena or El- Elena? Elena? Elena. Yes, you got it. Elena Ciccatelli, uh, vice president of the automotive practice at Teleperformance and the host of the EVs for Everyone podcast. Can we shout out our own podcast? Is that allowed? You sure can. Absolutely. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Does everybody have a podcast? We, I think we all yeah. do. Yeah. Mine's um, the Parts Girl podcast. <laughs> yeah. What the fix stops? <laughs> what the <laughs> fix stops? <laughs> WTF. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, how long have you guys been podcasting for? Uh, I'll go first. So I uh, started my EVs for Everyone podcast just last year, but I've been podcasting since 2019. So another podcast was called the Side Geek Central podcast. That's where I kind of got my feet wet and really fell in love with podcasting and just meeting new people that way. So, so there we there we go. That's fun, Kaylee. Um, I know this answer. So last year, since last year, early last year. And charity. Um, I think we started January 2021. I think that's when we started. Fun. And does any, do you guys have co-hosts? I do. I do. I have the managing partner of Fixed Ops Marketing. Russell B. Hill is my host. Uh, So I'm the co-host. Well, I just had this discussion with Herb like last week. I'm like, so if I'm talking to somebody, are you my co-host? And he said, yes, I'm allowed to say he's my co-host. Because <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Um, he, we're on season eight and he did the first, I hopped on as a co-host in season seven. I was doing all the social media in season six and then I hopped on in season, season seven as co-host. I always, yeah, we went through that too. Okay. <laughs> we're like, are we, are we both co-hosts or are you the host? I'm the co-host or how, how does this, can I just be the executive producer? <laughs> right. Do I have to do the social media? <laughs> can we pay somebody to do this? <laughs> so um, what would you say? What do you think that the thing that you've learned the most from, okay, I'm going to make this a two-part question. Why did you start podcasting and what have you learned the most from podcasting? Um, Kaylee, go first. I started, um, why did I start it? (laughs) I, um, I was going on a lot of other podcasts and I, um, realized that, you know, it'd be really fun to be the person asking the questions and getting to know people in the industry. Um, and there wasn't a whole lot of focus on parts. There's a lot of fixed ops. There's not a lot of focus on parts. So that's really why I wanted to start it. I don't feel like I talk that much about parts though, because <laughs> my guests that come on, we just talk about whatever we want to talk about. Um, but I, um, I forgot the last part of the question, <laughs> why I started it. <laughs> why? And what have you learned? Oh, what have I learned? Um, I learned that I can't do it all. Um, so I quickly learned right off the bat that editing and being the producer is just not, it's just not feasible for my role because I'm also a salesperson and marketing. So it just didn't make sense for me to try to do it all. It was just taking too much of my time. So I learned really quickly to get organized and not do everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Delegate. 
the get organized part's so hard. Mm-hmm. Like it is. when you add a, a podcast on top of a career, it's like, I just feel as if my brain, a lot of times I, I my brain feels like a Tetris board and <laughs> adding all of those layers feels like those upper levels of the Tetris game. when you, they're like coming at you so fast that you, yeah, that's what my brain feels like. <laughs> I think I learned that just like dedicating a day during the week just to focus on podcast stuff really helps with like my brain not being all over the place. Obviously throughout the week, you're going to think of ideas and you just write them down. But I like dedicate one day where I focus on the podcast. And I actually learned that from Charity, Charity Dunning, the other Charity. I was like, (laughs) I don't remember saying that. (laughs) So that's what you do, Charity, is one day? Yeah. I, I do, I don't remember saying that, but um, <laughs> I do, yeah, I'm, I suppose, you know, some, some weeks it's just nothing but the podcast. There's just so much that has to be done and I wish I could just delegate one day, but I need more time than that. But, um, you know, some weeks we're just loaded back to back with guests. We're scheduling them out, you know, into the, the future. And then other weeks I don't have anything and everything is done. So I kind of get to sit back and relax. So, um, so yeah, it really is dependent on what we have going on at the moment. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, Charity, um, that sounds so rude to say, but I know. Um, <laughs> um, we started, basically we wanted to, um, open up our network to more people. We wanted to meet more people. We wanted to learn about people and see what they were doing in the industry. And, um, and that's what we strove to do. And that's what we've learned. You know, we've learned all kinds of things from, from all kinds of different guests. It's been a great experience. That's fun. And you have a baby in the background, just so everybody knows. That's totally awesome, by the way. Like, he's part of our podcast too sometimes um Um, okay elena what about you why did you start what did you learn yeah yeah um so i really found that especially with all of the headlines that we're seeing about evs and electrification and what's going on i just felt like there was a gap Mm. in in a show where it's conversational it's not academic it's not uh you're gonna i'm gonna tell you about the 1.21 gigawatts that it takes to charge this vehicle and i thought that there needed to be a different conversation a different voice for what's happening in the electric vehicle space so i uh (laughs) bravely (laughs) tried to fill that void and it's been amazing it's been so much fun i um But I have to say, if I didn't have that prior experience with doing my first podcast, which was really more outside of automotive, it was not automotive focused at all, um, I wouldn't have been able to jump in so quickly to EVs for everyone. And to Kaylee's point about like, I can't do everything all the time. I was like, immediately I'm getting, you know, a firm to, to just outsource to go and edit for me. I was not trying to take that on by myself you know, everyone here has other quote unquote day jobs. And it was just, um, you know, I wanted it to be able to be an, a creative outlet for me because that's where I really, where I really love it. And I, I'm sure, you know, all of us on, you know, on this call here can agree like that, that element of creativity, meeting new people, especially during the pandemic. Like that's how I met new people was through the podcast. It was like, it was like this was a great conversation. It's cool. We should sometimes, you know, you meet in real life. So it's, um, it's been a lot of fun and I've learned a ton of just about the electric vehicle space, which I think is fascinating and it always growing. So, um, I'm just a huge super fan of podcasting. I just, I don't think that I've personally been able to grow my personal brand without it. Mm-hmm. There was, um, at the podcasting convention, there was a lot of focus on building your brand by, through the utilization of your podcast. And I, at up until about then, it had always just been this really fun thing that I liked to do and I wanted to do more of. And I was getting this constant 
conversation back from her this like chill out <laughs> this is like a process you need to learn how to build a brand off of this and i'm like let's go right now <laughs> and then that i hearing that from other people other than the person who was trying to teach me how to podcast was <laughs> constructive <laughs> But it's good that you have that. It's good that you have that enthusiasm, though, because to what uh, Charity D was saying, like there are some weeks where it's like there's nothing to do, like you don't have a guest scheduled. But that's what's like mm -hmm. the enthusiasm has to like keep your your motor going. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I'd like to add too. It's been really cool to really highlight the guest and like some people that come on the show that don't normally speak or have the opportunity to speak their mind. Um, I think that's like probably the most motivating and cool part to see them shine and like put a light on them and say like, look at this awesome person, look what they're doing. Um, I think that's what I've, I've loved the most about it. Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting, really cool people in the automotive space. Mm -hmm. And they're all doing so many different things. It's um, it's really rewarding having a podcast and meeting all these different people. Oh, for sure. I... <laughs> So I work in my whole career, I've worked in a single point market and, um, I started as a receptionist and then worked my way up. And so everything was just, it's, this is my job. I go into work, I do my job, I go home. And then I started dabbling in expanding outside of that into the actual world of automotive and it's massive and mm -hmm. I love it so much that now, now I'm hooked for sure. But I would never have learned any of that stuff if I hadn't have taken the opportunity to start investigating the podcasting world for automotive. And, you know, that was like 10 years ago. There was not very many podcasts back then, let alone yeah. automotive podcasts. And most of them were run by guys talking about classic cars. <laughs> bingo <laughs> so i was like more women in automotive need to have podcasts yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and like now there's so many it's like how do we it's like how do you prioritize listening to them all right like there's just i i have a running list all the time i'm like oh there's a new one i gotta listen to that see what they're doing because it's just it's really cool to see uh so many in the auto space adopting podcasting mm -hmm. and, and that's how we get our message out there right to to show how awesome it is to work in this industry for sure what do you think some of the things that what are some of the areas that we're missing in podcasting in the automotive space um herb speaks spanish so i'm con i'm i'm currently on a there's a huge gap right there there isn't mm -hmm. spanish podcasts for automotive at all um no. and so i've been investigating that one a lot what are some of the ones that you guys have been noticing have you noticed any well i can think of a topic mm -hmm. that i it's difficult at, as an automotive podcast to get outside of automotive mm -hmm. i have a cow over here um <laughs> But I mean, like, how do we um, teach people that, you know, this is a great industry to work in? How do we reach outside of automotive to those people that might consider it a career? Mm -hmm. That's like making like a career type podcast. You know, um, April, April Palmer has a live, I don't know if it's a full on podcast, but she does a live about the um current I don't know what it's called but basically you're the current um highlighting people that may be looking for uh careers or jobs like that might be something that that we're missing of just like talking about the career opportunities so she does a she does lives where people who are looking for jobs she like interviews them live I think so that's kind of cool right yes it is very cool she's awesome that's clever but I yeah. Does do people get jobs off of it? I mean, obviously, no, hopeful. I ask her. I should ask. It's called the talent pool. Yeah. Hmm. So, I don't know if she takes those recordings and puts them into a podcast form, but she does lives on LinkedIn. So, because you want like the current auto pool of yeah. like people, because that really is finding. 
it's it's frustrating you hear people always that's i mean and i'm one of them that say i they just fell into the automotive space and we it would be really nice if if people intentionally ended up in the automotive space if if our careers paths were highly professional people aiming for this instead of wall street you know Mm-hmm. and but changing the narrative that we have within the sales world and the automotive dealership world that comes first and yeah that's podcasting helps to do that mm-hmm. um but then how do we how do we propel that forward how do we create that voice moving it's, forward i think it starts with the schools with schools um high schools trades mm-hmm. um I don't know who creates those, but, you know, I guess it would start with a dealership in their area, you know, offering courses, I guess, on, um, you know, the different areas of the business to be, it's a trade, right? I know, because you don't go to school to work at a dealership. Right. And, you know, those, if you remember going to those career events in high school where, you know, and you'd go to their booth and they'd have like a couple of flyers or something Mm -hmm. and it would be really lackluster. I think that would be a good place to start is being more exciting in the automotive and really show people all of the, the great things that we have in this Mm -hmm. community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also too, I would take it in a little bit of a different direction too. I just, I go to a ton of conferences, right? And so now for the first time, uh, CES, which is always the Consumer Electronics Show, which is in uh, January every year, it's now becoming the automotive show. Like consumer, like CES is a huge, huge deal. So if people are like, well, probably not now are like, oh, I want to work in tech. Maybe not at this like current juncture. <laughs> people like yeah. uh, just because of what's this happening week. in the tech world right <laughs> now and just the, the gigantic like cluster that's happening there. But, uh, you know, it's I think it's notable to say, you know, all the OEMs are represented at CES now. You've got all the really latest and greatest technology, right, which ha- has drawn me into the automotive industry, right? And, and I think CES is now the new auto show, right? Mm-hmm. And I think as we move into a world where it doesn't matter the propulsion method of the vehicle, it could be hydrogen, it could be electric, it could be ice, like doesn't matter. I think people are now starting to realize like, wow, this is this is such a huge, huge industry. So I thought hi- highlighting CES because of the fact that it's such a gigantic show that, you know, people from all over technology are attending automotive is front and center. I think that that makes a statement. Right. And it pulls those, you're right. It pulls those careers in and, and the way that cars are being built now, any automotive is being built and the technology that is, is going into them. I mean, where else do you see that kind of stuff? For sure. And I think it's, it's a huge, a huge attractor, mm-hmm. right? A, a, a way to, to say like, you know, there, there's this really cool photo that I always like to reference. There's a photo of Fifth Avenue in New York City, I think uh, right before Henry Ford came out with the Model T. And it's just all like horse and buggy, mm-hmm. just horses. Car- and then the Fifth Avenue it was like a year later. It's just like, all Model Ts, right? So then the idea is, okay, well, you're going to wake up the next morning. EV adoption, yes, it's going to take a while, right? Everybody has their own opinion on EV. I've talked to a lot of people about this. And I think uh, we're going to wake up and it's like, oh, wow, okay. it's Now it's not just mm-hmm. in the gas station. Like, how how can I be a part of this quote-unquote disruptor? So. I said probably a lot of triggering things for people <laughs> just then because people have, but the one thing is that people have very strong opinions about electrification. Like that's, I mean, yeah. for me personally, that's what keeps the show very interesting. <laughs> I bet. You know, when you were talking about that, it just made me go back to, I don't know if anyone watches 1923. It's like the Yellowstone, you know, all those uh, spinoffs. 
And in the show, it's like they kind of show that where the cowboys are riding the horses and then they're adopting like the, the what do they call them? They're, did they call them cars back then? I don't know. Buggies. <laughs> um, they're like, yeah, the buggies. <laughs> yeah. But it, in the show, it's like talking about how, um, you know, they're like electricity in a house or this washing machine will wash your clothes. And it's like they show the people like being reluctant to it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that's not why would we do that? It's the same thing that's going on. It's just. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's so fascinating. And that's where going back to the original, I I took us down a rabbit hole. I'm sorry. (laughs) But (laughs) I think going back to your other question, Charity, about like what, like what's the gap, like what's missing in automotive, like people need to see just all of the, the technology and all of the opportunity because there is a ton, there's a ton of opportunity in automotive. Oh, I've worked for dealerships that have entire IT departments that are focused on building programs and building software. I, and that's incredible. And and not the kind of area that somebody who's in college is going to think, you know what, I want to go into the automotive space and build software for them. But anybody on the vendor side knows that the automotive space is incredibly lucrative and dealerships are more than happy to try something new out, you know, and then yeah. you're right. That's a really good area to look at and, and recruiting out of that area is probably a great space too. Oh yeah. Yeah. And people that work hard can make so much money mm-hmm. in automotive without having, you know, um, a college career or Mm -hmm. years and years of experience just working hard will get you so far in automotive right but then imagine if you you took the work ethic and you added that level of education and professionalism that comes out of higher education where could we be well i was talking to a friend the other day about ethics in the automotive space and in ethics and sales. And he had said, well, everybody walks the gray area all the time. And that's not just in automotive sales. Like if he used to do the door to door, I don't pest or solar or whatever. And he says, it's always a gray area and, and you have to choose which line. And I said, well, imagine what sales would be like if nobody had to choose which side of the gray line to be on. And everybody just was ethical what would we all be doing? Like it would completely shift the industry in such a positive manner. And I, we should definitely be focusing on that trajectory. And that needs to be the conversation that we have whenever we're talking on podcasts in my very humble opinion. Ethics is a big deal. Yeah. I think so. And there's a lot of language around, and I'm sure everybody's familiar with, as you're scrolling your LinkedIn feed, you see all the messages of transparency. And we have this, this new X, Y, and Z widget that's going to give you transparency. Mm-hmm. And we're, cause they're, you're right, Charity, like it there, it's this, uh, it's this, almost like this shadow or this, a, um, uh, misconception, I think really too, to get over, that stereotype of just, well, automotive is, is, is sleazy. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but, but (laughs) there are really good, like everyone that I've met in automotive, like present company included are lovely people, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. genuinely lovely, authentic will help you out. If you are in a pinch, lovely people. So it's like, it's this weird contradiction in my brain where I'm always having to go like, yeah, maybe the public perception is this way. And, you know, I, obviously we we have, have some work to do in, in automotive, but I just keep going back to the fact that like, like I met my husband because of automotive and it's, the the most wonderful people work in this industry Mm -hmm. well and because a lot of people you know the flip side of that is when when you stumble into the industry because of need and desperation a lot of times i think that that uh breeds a certain amount of understanding for the human experience and the second chance 
and a lot of people in the automotive industry are incredibly motivated to give back and incredibly motivated to give a second chance. And that's really important aspect of the industry as well. I think that sometimes that gets people in trouble because they give too many second chances. Um, oh, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, and we have, there's years and years of the, if we want to call it sleazy mm-hmm. automotive, you know, where that's just the perception and, you know, the older generation is teaching the kids, you know, the younger generation, what they went through and it's, you know, domino it's going down where it's not quite like that anymore. And, um, cause that, I mean, isn't that what we learned? We learned from our, your, mm-hmm. our elders <laughs> and their experience was the sleazy, you know, auto business. Right. No, I totally agree. Yeah. But I also think, though, too, like just to pull like some current events into the conversation a little bit, like when we see out of what is happening or what was happening like a couple months ago with with Carvana and Vroom and and companies like that, it's like, yeah, you can't really, you know, for the longest time, dealers on the retail side are saying, well, oh, you know, it'll never work. It'll never work. And see, look, it didn't work. But then when you take a step back, you can also say, yeah, but they've changed the customer expectation and the customer experience forever, mm-hmm. right? Because now people are, you're seeing like that whole omni-channel experience of where you're starting your customer journey. Yeah. So folks are now saying, yeah, well, okay, I expect this part of the process to happen online. I expect this part of the process where, okay, maybe I'm going to have to go see a person but I think like folks in the industry were like a little bit too like eager to jump in, but like, see, it didn't work out <laughs> and like, see what happened. But I, I really do. I mean, just from my own personal experience, I did sell a car at the height of the bubble, which was amazing. <laughs> um, and then I had a really good experience just like selling this vehicle to Carvana. Like, I don't even want to tell you the check that they cut me for my 2014 Ford Focus, but like that experience was amazing, right? So now I think the more and entrance light and call them disruptors, call them whatever you want. I think that also attracts talent that attracts, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, folks that want to be in mobility, want to be in transportation vehicles. Right. And I think it's, um, it's just a really, we're just in such a really interesting time right now. Definitely. And that's why I just, I love, love, love all the different, uh, you know, opinions that are coming at us. And uh, like I said, headlines, I just, it's fascinating. So there was, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) One thought before you go on there, there's definitely the idea that there's room for technology and growth in automotive, but it doesn't seem like anyone has quite figured out that puzzle piece yet. Mm -hmm. But you know, seeing what happened to Carvana, we can see that it's there's a need there, but it's not quite filled yet. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because the Carvanas of the world were not dealers. Like dealers are not going to go away, but that the process of what they were trying to do is what the consumer wants. I think is yeah. I, most people want that. Um, and so I think if dealers were to adopt more of that style, it would work. So instead of focusing on the fact that it didn't work, figure out how we can make it work because dealers are a lot more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think that I, I personally think that consumers want a personal experience. Um, and I, that's not going to go away anytime mm-hmm. soon. Um, no. And that's probably one of the biggest gaps is because Carvana wants to give a zero personal experience and the dealership wants to give like a hundred percent personal experience. Um, also like kind of meeting your consumer in the middle too like figuring out like who wants more of a personal and Mm -hmm. who wants more of just completely online or whatnot like having figuring out those different processes and then like having a I guess an org chart or maybe like a format to Mm -hmm. not trying to do a one-size-fits-all kind of thing Having it, having processes for the different nuances of the consumer of today. I yeah, mean, when we go back to the, the Model Ts, there was how many options? 
like one two one i think three maybe you had, two or three? You had like so you had like i think for for a little bit i mean ford had the monopoly mm-hmm. on it for a while right and then i don't know what the other models were that came into the yeah so yeah it, was, it wasn't very didn't many really have much of a choice it was, it was, this is what you get <laughs> it was your model t or your horse yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your buggy <laughs> what you want. and then the the changes were like you know you could have two colors choices instead of one and obviously as we expand on what we can and cannot put into a vehicle we have got to expand on how we approach that with our customer base um mm-hmm. yeah so one of the things that you said a minute ago elena my my best friend lives she's south african she lives in in mexico and probably would be horrified with how much i talk about her on the podcast <laughs> she um says that Americans have a really weird relationship with failure um, because as you were talking about Carvana and, you know, everybody's like, well, we knew that they were going to, it wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to work. But what did they do? Did they fail or did they create a conversation and momentum to move us forward? Is that failure? Because I don't, I don't see that as failure. I love the way that you frame that though, Charity, because it's like, is it, mo- is it conversation and momentum? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. A million percent. And I think um, to everyone's point that we've already just established, like there, there is a way for, uh, for entrance or new entrance into the automotive ecosystem to really just challenge the status quo, mm-hmm. right? And I think with all of this new, you know, we've got machine learning, chat, GBT, mm-hmm. you know, let's talk about every that. five seconds. I feel, yeah, let's talk about that. Like every five seconds, I feel like I'm reading about a new uh, generative AI tool mm-hmm. that I need, that I need to start like investigating. It's, right. So it's, uh, you know, no matter what the, the industry is being hit with, it's always a great way, an opportunity, I think, an opportunity to open up the conversation and just say, these, you have to move forward. Like you cannot just stay stagnant. Well, this is ha- and compl- complacent mm-hmm. is the word that I'm looking for. A complacent attitude of saying, way. well, this is how we've always, yeah, this is how we've always done it, guys. We've always done it this way. There's no other way. Yeah. yeah. If there for nothing be. else. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like- <laughs> it's like, there's no progress. <laughs> Now more than ever, businesses need more efficient sales. That's why thousands of dealerships trust FourEyes to help with things like automated inventory email updates and ensuring all of your leads get into the CRM. To try FourEyes for free, visit foureyes.io slash dealer talk. That's foureyes.io slash dealer talk. <laughs> Since Kaylee's so excited. Well, I'm so excited to talk about it. Yeah, why are you so excited, Kaylee? Okay, so I'm like, I'm always like, when new things happen, I'm a little bit like, I'm a person that's like in the middle. Like, I'm never like, oh, I hate it because I'm like, okay, I gotta learn about it. I gotta, I have to hear from other people like what's working for them. And so, um, when I first heard about it is when I went to Business Bourbon and Cigars. I was like, what is this? I haven't even heard about this. And um, my thought of it was like oh my gosh, it's just going to create all this content. People are going to copy and paste and we're just going to become like stupid basically. But once I learned more about it, it wasn't, it wasn't really about just putting something in there and getting content or something. It was more about kind of, I'm trying to like figure out the best words to describe it, like drilling down into like really creative. Like I feel like I'm using it to be more creative. I think because mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a content creator and I'm I'm working on multiple different things and I feel like it's just allowed me to really expand. I think because there are times when you're trying to create content and if I have to say that this incredible new vehicle one more time, right? And you're like, how do I say this without saying this? I like 
I'm not Shakespeare. Yeah. I don't have the entire dictionary memorized. So I need more words and chat GPT. I can put it in there and it'll pump back something with different words. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, oh I like yeah. I'm like, Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Damn yeah. Gina. <laughs> so that we're going to like, you know, is it going to make us lazy? Cause we're not like thinking, but then I'm like, no, cause you take that and you're like, well, how could I make this mm-hmm. better? It's not just taking it and pasting right. it in. So yeah. Right. That's how I feel. I think it also, it helps you iterate on a thought. Mm -hmm. I think we have, again, we're all content creators here and we get into our own drudgery a little bit. So, and this is what's interesting too, about the different various prompts that you can have it do. You can say, all right, well, this, for this, uh, maybe we'll say a competitive analysis that I need to do. And then you can say, all right, well, uh, help me formulate this competitive analysis into an engaging interview with charity, an engaging interview with Kaylee, and then like put their uh, LinkedIn by like that's that's some crazy sophisticated Powerful. stuff. But um, it's uh, yeah, it, it helps you iterate and. And, you know, there is a conversation happening, like the machines are coming for our jobs, like the robots are taking over. But I, I think it's, it's, it's a, if, if we're all kind of like responsibly making things, oh, there's the baby, Uh, we're responsible and we're, we're using it in a, in a, in a creative, in a creative iterative way. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm all for it. Well, one of the like, things that I oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm just like, I was going to say one of the things that I really like about it is that it can help you do research. Yeah. So you could say, "Hey, I need um, the top five ways that people struggle with creating or with titling their vehicle," mm-hmm. and it boom, 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 boom. Where did you get that from? Well, okay, so this state does this, and this state does that, mm-hmm. and I'm like. How much time did I just save myself That's trying to find? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's making us work faster. And that's the whole thing that we're going, we're using tools to make us better and work smarter. And it's like, because I go back to the lazy thing, because I have, I have kids and, you know, I think there's rumors about like kids writing, you know, homework and doing, you know, not really so there's that fear, but then it's like, we're doing the same thing. They could use it for research and really, you know, expanding on the way that they're doing their homework. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Or, or even it from them. <laughs> I take the content that I've written and I throw it in there and I'm, I say, will you please fix the grammar? Oh, mm-hmm. have you, have you guys ever tried to um, like alter the tone of the, of yeah. the text? You say, make yeah. it sound right. Witty. Witty? Yes. Witty. Yes. Entertaining. I think it's so witty. fun. Action oriented. Oh. Yeah. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. When you... <laughs> it's so funny. What is it? Action Action oriented. You'll be like, hey, take this automotive content and make it action oriented and you're going to get revving up for... <laughs> That is so true. So I've used it so many times that I get kind of the same things Mm -hmm. over and over. And I wonder, am I just asking the same questions in different ways? And so um, I haven't found it very successful as um, making content. I find it kind of generic, even though if I, even Mm -hmm. if I make it drill down into um, but that's my experience with it. And it's not that much experience. Oh, I definitely think that there's a generic aspect to it. If yeah. you don't quite know how to ask the questions and I well, don't know how to ask the questions. It's the questions and so, then taking that and tweaking it and then putting it back in and it like learns your tone. Is that what you're going to say? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And also I was going to say too, there is, so aside from ChatGPT, and I, I don't have a sponsorship with this company at all, although I should, but there's copy.ai. So to charity D what you were saying, it, um, it does a much better, it's, it's less repetitive. It's, it actually will help you with prompts also too, along the way. Um, but yeah, it, I, 
it's it works in the exact same way. You just open up like a new chat window and um, follow the prompts. But it's a little bit. I find it to be a little bit more robust. And they also list the source links in there, so you can click on it to go back and see like where did they pull this information from. So, what is that one called? I should. Uh, copy.ai copy. go ahead and sponsor the show copy.ai <laughs> go ahead <laughs> that's so. hilarious and um, it's free it's free it's free it's free well, did you guys see google's new ai that they've just released they released a, a video on it and it's supposed to summarize your email like an email string it'll summarize it for you it'll create a quick response that you can give back so it's mm-hmm. google's jumping in to compete with this you know in this ai uh you know okay my so own. my I criticism there is um they're going to jump into AI and they haven't figured out how to organize my email better. Like, <laughs> come on, focus. Oopsie. What's going on? <laughs> so, okay, chat GBT and copy.ai, they're both free. So my question is, how how are they making money? Like, how are they going to make money? Or what is... Oh, I'm sure life? that they're going to come up with a subscription plan at some point. <laughs> they're... they're- they're taking all of the information that we're input and they're just selling it. They're yeah. just selling all of our, yeah. all, of our da- all, every, all of our day, every every prompt. That, exactly, it's yeah. going to go through it out. Like, oh. don't worry, don't yeah. worry. Yeah. Have you ever heard? Don't worry, the- they're making money. Yeah. Have you ever heard yeah. the thing there's that says don't do the quizzes online? You know those? Are you what Harry Potter house? Oh are you? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Because that's actually tracking you. And it gets um, all of your data and who you are so that it can better advertise to you. Yeah, that's yeah. Google's whole thing. They mm-hmm. just want to advertise to you. And like if you're looking up some sort of hey. disease or something in hey. healthcare, you're just going to get the same things over and over and sponsor content. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think I'm hopeful yeah. that AI will be like, you know, they'll go into studies and stuff and be more detailed about what you're looking for, not just mm-hmm. whatever's for sale on the internet today. Yeah. Right. For sure. I don't, I don't, I think the, the story is still being written there. We'd like to think we it can evolve right. past just the, the quick sale. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what did they value at? ChatGPT valued at something stupid stupid yeah. high really? i wonder if i can look it up yeah let's look it up what's use chat gpt to just ask it how much is that's do you think that it'll tell you gpt was 29 billion yeah billion yeah, yeah. Billion. oh i okay so i have one more question and then we'll we'll i'll ask the big question and this is actually probably a dumb ev question for you elena um so there was a huge rainstorm here the last couple of days and um, a lot of water on the roads and the conversation came up about EVs in water. Um, what's the ramifications of that? I mean, obviously the conspiracy theorist in me is like, are you going to get electrocuted? <laughs> All of the cars, everybody dies. Like- you're gonna be like like Doc Brown and Back to the Future, like all hair just like crazy, standing on end. I mean, obviously, that's exactly they... what's gonna happen. <laughs> no, yeah. so I, I am not I am not an engineer by any means, um, but I did uh, I interviewed uh, the CMO of Whitricity. So Whitricity does uh, wireless charging. So instead of you plugging your vehicle in. What they're doing is they're working with all the different OEMs. There's a plate underneath of the vehicle, and you basically drive over top of the wireless charging uh, mechanism. And so what she was explaining to me, because my question was, all right, well, weather, it's going (laughs) to snow, it's going to rain, it's going to, there's the elements outside. How does that affect the charging? She's like, doesn't doesn't affect it at all we had she was giving me all the research all of the um the technical engineering but i will save you from that boring (laughs) part of it but 
the bottom line was that we she's like we work with municipalities to install these wireless chargers like on the road um there's uh, they're based out of Massachusetts, but they have a really large um, kind of customer base, customer base in California. No surprise there. Uh, but within the municipalities, they were able to, to install these, like the um, the part of the charger that is uh, next to a, a planter. So it's kind of hidden. So it still mm-hmm. looks nice. And then in the asphalt is the actual, uh, you just drive over top of it and that's the, the wireless charger. So, um, but for the vehicle itself, I mean, I don't, I haven't heard anything specific from any of the OEMs or automakers regarding it being unsafe and what, I mean, of course, if you're trying to drive through a really gigantic flood, mm-hmm. it might shut down, but I think an ICE vehicle, you know, would, would do the same. So, um, I thought the wireless charging bit was pretty fascinating because yeah, like I have a ton you know, of questions. There, there's yeah. a, Are they planning on putting those right, just yeah. on, in the asphalt on roads? Like highways? Because uh, yeah, that's freaking at your, clever. So at the lights. When you yeah. stop at lights, yeah. Yeah. And she said that they what they do is you can take she called it a power snack. I was like, ooh, power snack. I'm really good at power snacking. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, no, then not that kind of power snack. Your vehicle would get just like a a little I was like, oh, like Doritos? No, no, you just you drive over it, you your car gets a little snack. Um so obviously I remembered that because I really like the phrase power snack. Yeah. That Leave long. it to the Americans to come up with a food reference. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. I latched onto that immediately. I was like, oh, this is this power is perfect. Um, Man, yeah, there's just, I'd like to be in the room again, when they came up with that term. I, it, there, there's, there are so many different advancements that are happening with not even just the charging infrastructure. I did also speak with a, uh, a utility uh, power uh, company. They are, Kaylee, like you were saying, like they're coming up with roads now, for, especially for long haul um, vehicles, trucks, mm-hmm. that they're now starting to do these highways that have the the charging mechanism inside of the road like which is which is mind-blowing it's yeah it's really really crazy the things that they're attempting to do so and attempting with with billions of dollars billions of z yeah lots of money a lot of of infrastructure needed right which are all those really great peripheral peripheral industries that come off of the automotive that that's so fascinating. I love it so much. That's what I'm saying. Like, I just love auto because there's just so many cool things that are happening right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, For sure. Okay. So we have a question that we ask everybody that comes on the episode and it's, um, so I guess we'll take it one at a time, but how do you think we can improve the automotive industry in the next five years? Uh, who wants to go first? Kaylee. I'll take a shot okay, at it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I think, you know, I think we're doing well when it comes to so many things, but where we're still struggling is with our reputation, um, with people that are really outside of the automotive community. And they just, you know, they go to the dealership once in a while and they deal with the shady sales guy. And, and that's the reputation that we have. And I think, um, you know, it's a stereotype at this point, right? And it's not always like that anymore. In fact, oftentimes it's not, we have great experiences, great people, really awesome dealerships with a lot of cool facilities. So I think getting over that old reputation, um, especially so we can appeal to millennials and younger Mm -hmm. is probably what we need to focus on the most over the next few years. Mm -hmm. Kaylee. (laughs) I'll go. Um, Can you ask the question again, though? (laughs) This is so fresh. What, how do you, can we improve the automotive industry in the next five years? Okay. Yes. Um, I'm going to add a little bit to charities where the, you know, just the reputation, but I think 
where we can improve is is really the customer experience. Um, and if you look at other industries and how we are, we're all consumers. We all get those experiences. Um, and just getting that from the dealership world would just tie it all in and because we're all, we already have it and we want it, <laughs> you know. So I think in the, the next five years or so, the um, co- consumer experience is where I think we need to improve. Yeah. On both fixed and sales, not just being able to co- buy a car online, but mm-hmm. how we service our vehicles, how we're communicated with, um, making that process a whole lot easier and educating the consumer. So, Elena? Yeah, I want to uh, plus one to you, Kaylee, for CX, because that's what I do at Teleperformance is CX all day long. So I'm like, yes, CX and education. Um, But I also think collaboration or the spirit of collaboration, breaking down some of the silos that exist in all of our organizations, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if you're, like we had talked about, you're working at a dealership, you're working at a, a vendor, you're working at an OEM. It, th- there are so many silos and gatekeepers that exist. It's like, I think the spirit of collaboration, the spirit of learning, learning from each other, um, is, as I think is how we're all going to get better. And I don't think anything can really exist in a, in a bubble because that's how you, that's how innovation dies. Mm-hmm. And that's how I, I don't, especially where we're heading in the electrification space and in these different propulsion methods, nobody can operate in a bubble. I think collaboration is going to be key. Yeah. Yeah. Love those. Well, thank you, everybody. Um, that's it to our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, we'll talk later. We only host the well-respected. The vendor Lexus Nexus. We don't sell digital marketing. What you do? We inspected with our DT vendor management. Now more than ever, businesses need more efficient sales. That's why thousands of dealerships trust Four Eyes to help with things like automated inventory email updates and ensuring all of your leads get into the CRM. To try Four Eyes for free, visit foureyes.io slash dealer talk. That's foureyes.io slash dealer talk.